The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Cindy Drummond. Cindy and I talk about how her long-term relationship ended abruptly when police arrested the man she believed was the love of her life. Betrayed and heartbroken, she needed to learn how to trust again. She challenged herself to go on 50 dates in 52 weeks. She is the curator of Women Only Weekend, and she is the author of Reflections from the Dating Pool, a story about resilience, the importance of finding a tribe, and the power of falling in love again with yourself. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me today. I am just thrilled to have you on the show with me. Thanks, Laura. I was really looking forward to chatting with you today. So thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, so I would love to start by hearing about the amazing things that you're up to these days that bring you feelings of purpose and joy. Laura, I think you know that I live in Canada, meaning that our summer season is quite short. So like many Calgarians, I am spending as much time outdoors as I possibly can. So whether that's in my backyard or if I can pop out to the mountains, just trying to soak in um, some summer and some sun. And, you know, we don't have beaches here, but, you know, just being outside with nature is what's been really filling my cup these days. You know, I can't agree with you more. I just came back from this two week long road trip with my family and we came down the coast of California. So we got a mix of cities, beaches, forests. And I'll tell you the, the, the parts that I felt the best and the most excited about. And when I think back on the vacation, what I loved the most were the parts when I was in nature. So I can completely relate with, with that feeling of just being in nature and in how it invigorates us. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, so, you know, I, I want to talk about the reason why, uh, one of the reasons why I felt compelled to reach out to you and connect with you, uh, to come on and be a guest. And you had made such a, an interesting case, I guess, as to, uh, you know, what you're, what you were up to for what was it? 52 weeks of the well, of the year, that is a year. Yes. Um, so if you wouldn't mind sharing that with the listeners and tell us what that was about. Absolutely. So a few years ago, and I think when you and I talked, my chapter a few years ago was not great. I had been in a relationship for over six years with somebody. And unfortunately, probably fortunately, looking back, I realized that we had been living a lie. I had been living a lie. Um, he had a bit of a double life going on, but it wasn't until 
police officers came into our house and arrested him in front of me and my young daughters. And so, as you can imagine, I was heartbroken. I felt betrayed. I felt like the carpet had been ripped from underneath me. And so I had to spend, obviously, a little bit of time regrouping and trying to figure out what my next steps were. But as part of that, and you alluded to it as part of that, and as part of what became my healing journey is... I knew 100% that that person was not going to define me and was not going to make me afraid of dating the rest of my life. And so I imposed a, a challenge to myself and I challenged myself to go on 50 dates over 52 weeks. So a few questions from that. Um, first of all, when your then husband was arrested did you have any idea that any of that was going on? Was it a complete surprise that he was arrested for whatever it was he was arrested for? Yes. So he was not the father of my children. Um, so he was somebody that I met after I'd been married. But he was the love of my life. I knew there was something going on with him. I knew that maybe he was drinking too much. I knew that some of his stories weren't adding up. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. But did I realize the behaviors that he was engaging in would lead to an arrest? Absolutely not. Did I know what he was doing? Absolutely not. So it's almost like he was living a, a double life, perhaps. I've seen on Netflix, they have these shows where spouses are like, who did I marry? Um, because they're so good at the deceit or whatever the case may be. I know every situation is very different. But if you wouldn't mind sharing, because I think that a lot of people may be in this situation where they're like, something just doesn't feel right. What advice would you give them now that you have come away from that? Laura, that's a great question. I think, and you said for as far as advice, I knew there was something. I knew that in the pit of my stomach, my intuition, my gut, whatever you want to call it, I knew something wasn't right. I was making excuses for him. I was telling myself that I was crazy. I was minimizing all of these little nudges and just ignoring them. So I guess my first piece of advice would be, if something doesn't feel right to you, trust yourself. You are the person who knows yourself and your situation better than anybody else. And so if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And you have to remember to trust that intuition. Do you think that after he was arrested, even that there was a, a time that you would have still stayed with him? No, I would not. Well, because what he did, he probably did the one thing that was not forgivable in my eyes, right? He was caught, again, it's his story, so I don't go too much into it, but he was uh, invading people's privacy. Got it. And the only reason why I asked that is, uh, you know, not to pry, obviously, I yeah. want you to share only what you're comfortable with, but just, you know, in case there are other women out there who... Some, for some people, for many people, the inkling isn't enough, right? You, you need that proof, something that's going to take you from doubting yourself to, I can't, doubt, I can't doubt myself anymore, like the evidence is too piled up. And I only bring this up because I too had been in a relationship where 
I kept giving him the benefit of the doubt. I kept ignoring the red flags and it finally got to a point. I guess that's the question. What, you know, for you, it was that what he did was, I mean, there's just no turning back from, I guess it's, how do you know when you found that point of no return where you really can't go back to that person? You can no longer fight the red flags and things like that. So I think for you, yeah. Yeah. I think every person is going to have a different line in the sand. When it impacted the safety of my children, that was my line in the sand. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, So I wanted to go back to what you had mentioned before when I said I had a couple questions. Going back to the 50 dates in 52 Mm -hmm. weeks, how does one find 50 dates? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, I was somewhat naive when I started this journey because I just thought you know what I'll tell some friends that I'm looking to meet guys I will you know okay maybe I will get on an online dating app but it's a lot of work so between dating apps which are you know they're tricky to begin with and looking for singles events looking for speed dating events but i was tenacious like i was once i committed to this journey i was going on 50 dates and when you went into that idea of 50 dates and then when you completed that mission did you get out of it what you had hoped more than because when I went into it, I went into it hoping to learn how to trust other people again. What I got out of it was learning how to trust myself again. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think that that's so important, especially for, I mean, for anybody, but especially for women who, again, speaking from personal experience, where you're in this relationship and you lose yourself. For me, it became all about how not to lose this person, uh, how to prove everybody wrong that this person wasn't who everybody else knew he was and I didn't. And in that process, you really do lose yourself and perhaps that trust in yourself as well. How wonderful and amazing is that? Do you have any interesting dating stories that you would be willing to share? I do. You know, and again, the the sad part is, is so many of them were the same. You go Mm -hmm. for a coffee, you go for a glass of wine, you talk about the same stuff. But there were a few, there were a few great dates. There was a few dates where one guy asked me to go golfing, which is, you know, brave of him because we're going to spend four hours together side by side and also a little nervous. I'm not the best golfer, but that was, again, we were outside, we were having fun. We were doing something that we both liked. So that was a great date. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Did anything come of that relationship? (laughs) <laughs> it did not. We, no. I think there was supposed to be a second um, tea time, but you know, it didn't, it didn't happen and that's okay. Everything will work out the way that it's, that it's meant to. Uh, did anything come of any of those dates? Well, it would be a spoiler alert, but um, <laughs> I, I am remarried. From one of those dates? <laughs> uh, he was slightly after the 50 mark, but yes. <laughs> Yes. I wonder if that's like testament to, uh, you know, it really could take 50, 50 dates to find the right one. 
I'm curious to know, and perhaps there are listeners who are single as well, what advice would you give to people who find themselves going on so many dates and maybe losing hope in finding a partner or someone to share life with? What would your advice be for them? I would say that if you are worth it, then you should be willing to go on as many dates as it takes, whatever that number is. And I know when I tell people that I've went on over 50 dates, they say, oh, that sounds exhausting and I I couldn't do that. But the truth is, and I alluded to it earlier, every one of those dates was a date with myself and who, who I was and how I was showing up because I can promise you, the girl that went on date number one was not the girl that showed up for date number 40. My confidence had grown. My decision on who would I think would be a better fit when I was making the decision if I was going to say yes to that cup of coffee. There was a lot of things. There was a lot of growth that happened over that time period. And from that, did something come of that work? Do you do work now to help other women as well? In a sense, I do. I mean, I, I, I wrote the book in, in the hopes of sharing my story and just providing some entertainment, um, but also some words of wisdom. In addition to that, and it's interesting because I'm not a dating coach, but I feel like one of the reasons why I was very successful through this whole process is because I had also found my tribe. I started... I created an event for women. I've been hosting that for 10 years. And so I I feel like if you have a good tribe of women who support you, you can do anything, whether that's going on a dating challenge, finding a new job or whatever you want. So that is sort of where I spend my time in my work now is creating community. Oh, how wonderful, Uh, especially in this day and age where there's a lot of isolation, segregation. I think that a lot of people, at least from readings that I've done from people or connecting with people, looking for that community, looking for their quote unquote tribe. Uh, So what advice would you give to people who feel isolated, whether it's isolated physically or isolated because of their beliefs and a certain type of community that they're looking for, maybe they're unaware if it's around them or not, or if they're, if they're searching for that, what advice would you give these people who are searching? Again, great question. I think they're definitely in the last little while, it's been harder to communicate in person, but I believe, and that one of the things that I did during the last couple of years is I hosted, co-hosted something called Words of Wisdom and it was every Sunday and it was an online meeting with a guest speaker and it might've been any topic whatsoever. But again, those women that came every Sunday just for an hour because they wanted to, they couldn't meet in person, but just the opportunity to chat with somebody. And I know that we're kind of tired of Zoom and, but I think that we still have to look for all those opportunities for connection. And if your comfort level is online, then stick with online. If your comfort level is beyond that, look for hiking groups, biking, pickleball. I mean, we're all playing pickleball these days. That's a great way to connect with people. Yeah, pickleball is like taking over the world. (laughs) 
<laughs> it really is. It's not, it's for all ages these days. Uh, and I love that advice as far as finding like a hiking group or something like that. I can see how if you get involved with some sort of hobby that you're interested in, then you may start to connect with people who have other interests that are similar. I keep thinking about like spiritual interests. That's just sort of mm-hmm. where, where my thing goes. But um, as far as finding others who might have some similar spiritual ideologies as well. Um, and it just sort of stemmed from uh, having a similar hobby um, that you're able to do with this person. So that's that's really wonderful advice. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how the book writing process was for you? Oh, well, oh, that's a good question. All of your questions are very good. Oh, good. I have to think. <laughs> the book writing process, I, I was pretty sure I was writing a book, but honestly, like the first version, the first draft was just to sort of reflect on my experience, to get it down on paper, that particular chapter. And then the second draft is when I, you know, I showed it to a couple of people that I trusted just to sort of see what they thought. And then the third draft is when I hired an editor who didn't like my book at all and wanted me to write a how to find a man book, which that's, that's not what my journey is about. It was an amazing process in the sense that the accomplishment, when you can tangibly hold up this very vulnerable chapter of my life, but look back at it and realize that it was the completion of the, well, I guess we're always healing, but I think it was the most cathartic thing I could have done is just to put it on paper and then put it on the shelf. Oh, I so agree with you. Uh, I had the same experience when I wrote my book as well. And there's something so liberating uh, going back to those life experiences and putting it on paper. Um, because I think it, what it does is it kind of slows things down. You know, you can't just glance over the memory. Like you have to actually remember the nuances within that memory and then to publish it you know it's such a it's such a liberating but very vulnerable uh feeling so whenever i come across other authors who have shared their story in hopes of helping other people despite that feeling of vulnerability i mean i really commend you on your courage for that because it does take a lot of courage and it takes a lot of discipline as well to go from start to finish. It takes courage and it takes discipline. But you know what I didn't realize is because my story is my story. Other people that are part of that story may have saw things differently, but I wrote it down. So now my story is what the way that other people will know it is because it's my version of it. And if that's the motivation to get someone to write that alone, then hey. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, exactly, exactly. And it's, I mean, it's it's published, it's written, it's there. So, you know, if anybody's looking to, to write, even if it's just to get those emotions and, and get that story from out of your mind and your heart onto paper, because it, it really can be very therapeutic indeed. And that book, it is about uh, the experience that you had that we had talked about earlier in the show, as far as the relationship and then the, the, the idea of the 50 dates in 52 weeks and what came of that. 
It is, Laura, but I think one of the things that you will like about it is because you mentioned the spirituality piece. Like there was a huge growth with spirituality in that. I did a whole 30 days of gratitude during that process. I took my daughters on a women's retreat. It was a mother-daughter retreat to Bali. And so very spiritual being able to experience Bali with my, my two daughters. And so there is lots of gratitude, lots of words of wisdom. So I think that if people, if, if they resonate with that, not that I was doing spiritual dating per se, but there definitely was a higher self and, you know, that sort of practice along with it. Okay. Well, I'm excited that you brought up the spiritual stuff. <laughs> How exciting. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about the 30 days of gratitude because this is what comes to me right away. I was part of a discussion about writing like a gratitude journal, uh, just, yeah, essentially writing about what you're grateful for every day. And, and I think that for some people, this is what I got from the discussion. They like the idea of it, but it isn't always easy to find something to be grateful for, especially if life is hard, uh, or we're feeling really down. So like from your experience, when you started this, 30 days of gratitude. Did it come easily for you when you first started or did you kind of have to quote unquote fake it till you make it sort of thing? For me at that moment, it came easy, but that's not to discourage your listeners. The reason that it came easy for me at that moment is because I focused the 30 days and it was December. I focused the 30 days on thank you letters to a different person each day. And so that was really easy because I made a list of 30 people that had been instrumental in, in my life. And whether I had just met them two weeks prior or I'd known them, well, my mom, I wrote a letter to my mom. And again, I made it, I didn't have a rule around it. I made it easy. It could be an email. It could have been a handwritten note. It could have been a text message. And now even with voice messaging. So I just made sure that every day I picked one person in particular and told them how grateful I was to them. Wow. I, I love that. I feel like that adds an added element to just writing something in your journal mm -hmm. and keeping it to yourself. It creates like some sort of synergy, that energy between you telling somebody how grateful you are and then them hearing that and knowing the, the impact that they had on your life. That must be so uh, such a nice emotional experience. You gave me goosebumps when you said that because it's a ripple effect. You know, there were some people that said, I've never, I've never received anything like this before. And wouldn't it just be like, imagine yourself if you opened up your email or you went to the mailbox and there was a letter from somebody telling them, telling you how much they loved you and how grateful and what you had done for them. And that was it. No agenda, no asking for anything. Just that's it. Yeah. I think I would be, oh, I'd be over the moon. <laughs> I'd be in a great mood all day and everyone who was around me would feel my good mood and my energy and hopefully it would affect them positively. Hence that ripple effect that you mm -hmm. mentioned. Wow, that's really powerful. Really powerful, Cindy. I think that that's something that I will try. And I feel like that's something that I could do. Um, because I feel like there's 
almost always somebody that we can be grateful for, um, whether they're alive or, uh, you know, past or mm-hmm. taught us a hard lesson or a lovely lesson. So I think that's wonderful. And, you know, one of those letters could be also to yourself. I mean, that's probably the hardest le- letter to write, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe one that's yeah most needed. Did you write one to yourself? I didn't during that particular challenge, but I have over the course um, since, like absolutely, like not all the time, but every once in a while, it's just like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm grateful that you did this or you didn't do this or you learned this. Once you start doing it, as you know, Laura, like it does get easier. Yeah, that's wonderful. You just got to start. Just, just got to start. start. Yeah. And it can be simple, right? It could be a simple thing that you're grateful for that I am grateful I picked a pink blouse today instead of a green one. (laughs) Just whatever makes it easy to sort of get things started and start on a positive note. I want to talk about your spiritual journey. Uh, Now, were you always spiritual or is that something that came later? I think that it was something, (laughs) I think I've always been spiritual, but Again, I'm 55 years old. So, you know, when I was little, angels were obviously something that I believed in, but not, it wasn't mainstream. People didn't talk about angels. People didn't talk about spirituality as it's coming a little more to the front now. So I think I always have been. It was one of those things where I just was like a closet spiritual person. Now there's just been so much where people are embracing this new level of consciousness. So definitely it has grown, but I think, and whether the timing, and maybe it is divine intervention, I don't know, but the timing did seem to really connect as I was going through this and I was being grateful and I was using, you know, angel cards and listening. And, you know, I took some Reiki that year as well. And so I think all of that just combined, just made my spiritual practice and meditation made it stronger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now you say you work with angels. Do you have any particular angels that you tend to work with? Do you know who your guardian angel is or anything like that? My go-to is is Michael, for sure. So I don't have particular ones that I call on, but I do have this beautiful, I've got lots of cards, but I do have this one particular angel card deck. Yeah, I just, there's, there's so many angels in there that, and you know, it, it'll just depend on the day and I, and I, I can't recite them to you, but you know, I'm just like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. And you know, I'm glad that, that he was, rem- that he was rem- reminded to me today. So yeah, I, I think that they all have a purpose, but definitely Michael, especially when my kids are driving or something, you know, he's, I'm just always like, okay, watch out for them. Make sure they get there safely. Yeah. The protector. The protector. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I love that you, you, you don't narrow it down. So I feel like that helps to keep it open for whoever, whatever is meant to come in and, and help. What about spirit guides? What are your thoughts on spirit guides? I definitely am open to spirit guides. I don't know if I differentiate between angels and spirit guides. I just sort of think of them as one collective group. So I don't I don't talk to a certain spirit guide. I do think I've been told that there's like a brown bear that's around me all the time. And so I like that. That gives me some security. 
Oh yeah. I can see that. I could see that for you. So Mm -hmm. I like that a lot too. And big, big brown bear. (laughs) Yeah. Like huge, but not a grizzly, but just this huge, big bear. Yes. Yes. Always, always around you, surrounding you. And yeah, nobody messes with you. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, Cindy, you know, to help polish off our interview here, you know, you gave a lot of really good advice based on the life experiences that you've had. And we kind of asked you to, to give some advice throughout the, the show already. But I want to ask you, what advice would you of today give your past self? You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Nothing changes. Like if you're feeling stuck, the only thing that can change is your action around that and getting unstuck. And so I think it is really important to be vulnerable. We've all experienced being stuck again lately. I think it's important that we take chances. I think it's important that we trust ourselves. And I think it's important that if we want to see change, we just have to take one tiny step forward. Just one little tiny change. I think that's really wonderful, wonderful advice, because I feel that sometimes there's this misconception when we hear people talk about their life experiences. It sounds like it happened so quickly. A to B happened so quickly, but there's so many little steps and it it happened over a gradual period of time for many of us to go from where we were to where we are. So I love that advice of, you know, take the steps take the chance if it feels good uh, and see where life takes you. So wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Cindy. I really want to thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story. And I have, uh, you know, all the links are in the show notes for people who would like to get in touch with you. But again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Laura. And that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, love and light always. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.